Chapters twenty one and twenty two of Rasselas, Prince of Abyssinia. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Giessen. Rasselas, Prince of Abyssinia, by Samuel Johnson. Chapter twenty one The Happiness of Solitude. The Hermit's History they came on the third day by the direction of the peasants to the hermit's cell it was a cavern in the side of a mountain overshadowed with palm trees at such a distance from the cataract that nothing more was heard than a gentle uniform murmur such as composes the mind to pensive meditation especially when it was assisted by the wind whistling among the branches the first rude essay of nature had been so much improved by human labour that the cave contained several apartments appropriated to different uses and often afforded lodging to travellers whom darkness or tempests happened to overtake the hermit sat on a bench at the door to enjoy the coolness of the evening on one side lay a book with pens and paper on the other mechanical instruments of various kinds as they approached him unregarded the princess observed that he had not the countenance of a man that had found or could teach the way to happiness they saluted him with great respect which he repaid like a man not unaccustomed to the forms of courts my children said he if you have lost your way you shall be willingly supplied with such conveniences for the night as this cavern will afford i have all that nature requires and you will not expect delicacies in a hermit's cell they thanked him and entering were pleased with the neatness and regularity of the place the hermit set flesh and wine before them though he fed only upon fruits and water his discourse was cheerful without levity and pious without enthusiasm he soon gained the esteem of his guests and the princess repented her hasty censure at last imlac began thus i do not now wonder that your reputation is so far extended we have heard at cairo of your wisdom and came hither to employ your direction for this young man and maiden in the choice of life to him that lives well answered the hermit every form of life is good nor can i give any other rule for choice than to remove all apparent evil he will most certainly remove from evil said the prince who shall devote himself to that solitude which you have recommended by your example i have indeed lived fifteen years in solitude said the hermit but have no desire that my example should gain any imitators 
in my youth i professed arms and was raised by degrees to the highest military rank i have traversed wide countries at the head of my troops and seen many battles and sieges at last being disgusted by the preferments of a younger officer and feeling that my vigour was beginning to decay i resolved to close my life in peace having found the world full of snares discord and misery i had once escaped from the pursuit of the enemy by the shelter of this cavern and therefore chose it for my final residence i employed artificers to form it into chambers and stored it with all that i was likely to want for some time after my retreat i rejoiced like a tempest-beaten sailor at his entrance into the harbour being delighted with the sudden change of the noise and hurry of war to stillness and repose when the pleasure of novelty went away i employed my hours in examining the plants which grow in the valley and the minerals which i collected from the rocks but that inquiry is now grown tasteless and irksome i have been for some time unsettled and distracted my mind is disturbed with a thousand perplexities of doubt and vanities of imagination which hourly prevail upon me because i have no opportunities of relaxation or diversion i am sometimes ashamed to think that i could not secure myself from vice but by retiring from the exercise of virtue and begin to suspect that i was rather impelled by resentment than led by devotion into solitude <sighs> my fancy riots in scenes of folly and i lament that i have lost so much and gained so little in solitude if i escape the example of bad men i want likewise the counsel and conversation of the good i have been long comparing the evils with the advantages of society and resolve to return into the world to-morrow the life of a solitary man will be certainly miserable but not certainly devout they heard his resolution with surprise but after a short pause offered to conduct him to cairo he dug up a considerable treasure which he had hid among the rocks and accompanied them to the city on which as he approached it he gazed with rapture chapter twenty two the happiness of a life led according to nature rasselas often went to an assembly of learned men who met at stated times to unbend their minds and compare their opinions their manners were somewhat coarse but their conversation was instructive and their disputations acute 
though sometimes too violent and often continued till neither controvertist remembered upon what question he began some faults were almost general among them every one was pleased to hear the genius or knowledge of another depreciated in this assembly rasselas was relating his interview with the hermit and the wonder with which he heard him censure a course of life which he had so deliberately chosen and so laudably followed the sentiments of the hearers were various some were of the opinion that the folly of his choice had been justly punished by condemnation to perpetual perseverance one of the youngest among them with great vehemence pronounced him a hypocrite some talked of the right of society to the labour of individuals and considered retirement as a desertion of duty others readily allowed that there was a time when the claims of the public were satisfied and when a man might properly sequester himself to review his life and purify his heart one who appeared more affected with the narrative than the rest thought it likely that the hermit would in a few years go back to his retreat and perhaps if shame did not restrain or death intercept him return once more from his retreat into the world for the hope of happiness said he is so strongly impressed that the longest experience is not able to efface it of the present state whatever it be we feel and are forced to confess the misery yet when the same state is again at a distance imagination paints it as desirable but the time will surely come when desire will no longer be our torment and no man shall be wretched but by his own fault this said a philosopher who had heard him with tokens of great impatience is the present condition of a wise man the time is already come when none are wretched but by their own fault nothing is more idle than to inquire after happiness which nature has kindly placed within our reach the way to be happy is to live according to nature in obedience to that universal and unalterable law with which every heart is originally impressed which is not written on it by precept but engraven by destiny not instilled by education but infused at our nativity he that lives according to nature will suffer nothing from the delusions of hope or importunities of desire he will receive and reject with equability of temper and act or suffer as the reason of things shall alternately prescribe other men may amuse themselves with subtle definitions or intricate ratiocination let them learn to be wise by easier means let them observe the hind of the forest and the linnet of the grove 
let them consider the life of animals whose motions are regulated by instinct they obey their guide and are happy let us therefore at length cease to dispute and learn to live throw away the encumbrance of precepts which they who utter them with so much pride and pomp do not understand and carry with us this simple and intelligible maxim that deviation from nature is deviation from happiness when he had spoken he looked round him with a placid air and enjoyed the consciousness of his own beneficence sir said the prince with great modesty as i like all the rest of mankind am desirous of felicity my closest attention has been fixed upon your discourse i doubt not the truth of a position which a man so learned has so confidently advanced let me only know what it is to live according to nature when i find young men so humble and so docile said the philosopher i can deny them no information which my studies have enabled me to afford to live according to nature is to act always with due regard to the fitness arising from the relations and qualities of causes and effects to concur with the great and unchangeable scheme of universal felicity to co-operate with the general disposition and tendency of the present system of things the prince soon found that this was one of the sages whom he should understand less as he heard him longer he therefore bowed and was silent and the philosopher supposing him satisfied and the rest vanquished rose up and departed with the air of a man that had cooperated with the present system end of chapter 22 Recording by Martin Giessen in Hazelmere, Surrey.